Welcome to Breaking Bread with Brother B, the podcast dedicated to helping folks know Jesus and His Word by breaking open the bread of life. Now here's your host, Brother B. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Breaking Bread with Brother B. I hope you'll enjoy this new podcast that is a chance for us to break open the Word of God and get fundamental Bible teaching. Now you may say, Brother Brian, this is an odd name for a podcast. But Luke 24 and 35 tells us of a story of Jesus after he had resurrected. He made himself known to some disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it wasn't until he broke bread with them, ate with them, and broke open the scriptures that they recognized him. And they said to each other, Did our hearts not fill with burning and amazement as he opened the word, the scriptures, and broke bread with us? And so I don't want to break physical bread with you, but I want to break spiritual bread, the bread of life, and open it up in a way that would cause your hearts to burn with a desire to know and recognize Jesus and his truth in your lives. And so I hope you will let me know if you are a fellow bread breaker, if you're opening the Word of God with me by dropping me a message. For this week, you can text me at 615-767-7863 with your name and a brief message letting me know that you listened to today's podcast, and I will enter that name into a monthly drawing for a $25 Visa gift card. This is just a way to help us know who's listening and benefiting from breaking bread. Now, let's get into today's lesson. A few weeks ago, pastor was preaching in the pulpit on a Sunday morning, and he mentioned that he was going to be teaching and preaching with more of a how-to direction, meaning instead of just presenting an idea or a concept, he was going to also give application of how to apply the Bible in a way that would help you grow from it and gain from it. And so in talking about that with him and in thinking about it, I've come up with several how-to lessons, and I'd like to share the first one with you today. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to talk about how to tear down strongholds, particularly satanic strongholds in the life of a believer. Um, You say, Brother Brian, I don't know that the devil can have a stronghold in the life of the believer. But Ephesians chapter 4 and 27 tells us that Paul was speaking to the believers there in Ephesus. And he says, neither give place to the devil. Verse 30, he says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that should be a two passages of scripture that cause us to take pause and, and question, how can a child of God, a believer, a a person who believes in the power of the name of Jesus, has had his name and blood applied to their life, how could they give place to the devil? I want you to think about it like if you had 50 acres of property and you gave me one acre right in the middle of it, you gave me a deed to that middle acre, told me I could have it, but at night, I played loud music and I partied all night long and I desecrated the rest of your property and you had enough and you came to me and tried to kick me out. 
And I said, well, no, you gave me a deed to the property. I refuse to go. I refuse to leave. I'm not going. It's just your tough luck because you gave me ownership. This is how Satan works. He comes in and he takes up residence in our lives before we even know it. And if we're not careful, we give him the legal authority to do it. Now, how do we do that? Well, by having sin in our lives, we give place to the devil. And so there are three steps that we have to take if we want to tear down the strongholds of Satan and the flesh in our lives. And number one, we have to repent. We find that in verse uh, 22. It says that she put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, put off there means to have it out, to deal with it, to confess it, to put it away, to, to cleanse it. Okay, so put off the former conversation, turn away from, forsake it. That is repentance. Second, we have to resist. Verse 27 again says, give no place to the devil or neither give place to the devil, meaning resist the devil. Okay, James tells us resist the devil and he will flee from us. And so the second important step is after we've repented to resist. And then third is renewal. Verse 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we must be renewed in the spirit. So repentance, resistance and renewal. Now, I want us to take a few minutes and look at the context of this passage and particularly uh, start by discussing what sins we must repent from. What sins, what things have we allowed in our life that are causing us to give place to the devil and allow him to set up a campground where he can make war in our lives with God and the kingdom of God. Now, uh, verse 25 starts by saying, Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So the first thing we got to do is we got to put away lying. Lying is at the root of Satan's character. Jesus tells us, John 8 and verse 44, that Satan is a liar and the father of it. There is nothing more central to the character and DNA of Satan than lying. And so we must live in truth. God's kingdom is truth. John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. In another place, he says, thy word is truth. And John 5, he tells us the spirit is truth. And so the kingdom of God is all about truth. We must be built on absolute truth. There is no place in the heart of a believer for falsehoods, for half-truths, or for white lies. You can lie just by the tone of your voice. You can lie just by leaving out certain details. You can lie just by certain facial expressions. But it is not good to have any falsehood in your heart. A lie is a lie, and the rest of the lie will not help it. You must have the truth. 
It's number one, where we give place to the devil when we lie. Then verse 26 tells us, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Be ye angry and sin not. When you have anger that causes you to sin in your heart, you are like the devil. Revelations 12 tells us that he is full of wrath and he is constantly seething with anger. Anger is another root characteristic of the enemy. And when we are angry and we sin from that anger, we give place to the devil. Now, what does it mean, be angry and sin not? This is this The way you do that is to have the anger of the Lord, which is a righteous anger, an anger at sin, and an anger at the enemy, at the devil. But too many people are not angry for the right reasons. They're angry for things like maybe they had a bad golf game. Maybe they had a bad day at work. They cussed the dog. They kicked the cat. The car broke down. Whatever it is, they're full of anger. Anger at their neighbor. Anger at their spouse. Anger at their parents. Angry at their children. Angry at their fellow brother and sister in Christ. Angry at people in the world. They're just angry, angry, angry. But the Bible says, be angry and sin not. For when you have an anger that causes you to sin, you are opening yourself up. You are giving place to the enemy. Then verse 28 tells us, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that me, he may have to give to him that needeth. So when we steal, that's another way that we're like the devil. John 10 tells us that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. I think of the man named Legion, the man who was full of uh, several hundred, if not thousands of devils. And I think of him sitting there in the graveyard in Gadara. And I have to wonder what had Satan stole from that man? Obviously, he'd stolen his sanity and his liberty, but I imagine he stole his family, his joy, his health, and he even tried to steal his opportunity at eternal life. But Jesus came and liberated that man from the hand of the thief. But we are like Satan when we steal. You say, well, Brother Brian, I wouldn't steal. Well, friend, friend of mine, if you would have so much take a 15 cent pencil from your workplace, if it didn't belong to you and you took it home, you have stolen. And the Bible tells us that Jesus said, he who is faithful in small things is faithful in much, but he who is unfaithful in small things is unfaithful in much. Now, that doesn't just mean that if you steal a little, you also have the potentiality to steal a lot. But that means that in the eyes of God, whether you stole a little bit or you stole a lot, it's all the same. Thievery is thievery. Stealing is stealing in the mind of God. And we must not steal. You kids in school, do you steal? Do you steal answers off your friend's paper? Mom, do you steal when you gossip about your neighbors? Sir, do you steal when you assassinate someone's character and put them down to make yourself feel better? You steal their reputation? Let me ask you, are you a tither? 
If we don't tithe, given offerings, we rob God. Malachi tells us that we rob him in tithes and in offerings when we do not give. We must not be like Satan. We must not lie. We must not be angry and sin. We must not steal. And then verse 29 tells us, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Then the next chapter, Ephesians 5 and verse 4 says, Neither filth, filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So we are to put off this former conversation. We are to put away this corrupt communication from out of our mouth. It is filthy words. It is filthy communication. Jesus, when he would cast evil spirits out of people, the Bible said they were filthy spirits. They were foul spirits. And there is a filthy form of communication. Now, I've had people use Ephesians 5 and 4 where it says uh, no uh, no, no jesting to say, well, Brother B, you shouldn't use humor and joking. It has no place in the kingdom of God. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that here that there are certain stories and certain jokes that lend themselves to filthiness and corrupt communication. And if you have filthy words coming out of your mouth, it is because you have a filthy heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if you have corrupt communication, communication that does not edify, that does not build up, that does not uplift believers, then that means you have given place to the devil and he has a stronghold in your life. And it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 30, it tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. When we give place to the devil, we're grieving God's spirit. Verse 31 then says that after we have grieved the spirit, because, because the devil has set up camp in our heart, that we must let out all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Let it be put away from you with all malice. See, that's how Satan works. When he set up camp in your life, this is the pattern that then will follow. First, there will be bitterness. Maybe you know Christians who are bitter. They're just all the time full of negativity and bitterness. You think they just have a sour look on life because they're always angry at this one and upset with that one and they don't like the way that person looked at them and they don't like that song that the choir sang or that sermon the preacher preached and they're just never happy and it's because their heart has a root of bitterness. And then once bitterness has taken root in their life, as that grows, it becomes wrath. Now wrath there is a internal burning. Maybe you've ever felt that in your heart, that that's like a smoldering rag, a rag that is on like a, it's not quite on fire, but it's smoldering about to catch on fire. And, and it's in your heart. You feel that anger just beginning to burn deep inside in your chest. And then eventually it goes from wrath and it burns into full on anger. 
And from anger, anger that maybe you can't explain, it then becomes clamor. What is clamor? Clamor is that person who they're angry and they get excited in conversation. You've been talking to them and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, it's like they're yelling at you. And you say, well, hey, you don't have to yell at me. And I'm not yelling at you. And they're all upset and they're all excited and they can't really explain it. It's clamor. It's noisy. It's noisy, overflowing anger. And from that, it grows into evil speaking. Evil speaking is when you've reached that place of clamor and you've gotten so angry that then you're saying things you never thought you would say. And the devil is sitting there in your ear and he's saying, oh, yeah, while you're angry, tell him this, tell him that. And he's putting words that you never thought would come out of your mouth. Things like, I hate you. I wish I'd never met you. I wish we'd never been married. I wish we'd never given birth to you. You'll never amount to anything because when you're angry and you get into clamor and you get into evil speaking, you'll begin to say things you never thought you could say because you've given place to the devil. But it doesn't just stop there. Once it gets past evil speaking, it grows into malice. And malice is that place where after you've gotten on a roll and you've sufficiently verbally abused and torn down that person, now you've reached a place where you just want to shake them and you just physically and emotionally want to hurt them. You never thought it possible, but you've reached this full on place of what the Bible calls malice. And that's when you get a husband who maybe strikes a wife when he never thought he would or a wife who strikes her husband or maybe you determine you're going to walk out of that marriage or you're going to abuse that person or you're going to make them pay in some vengeful fashion. Maybe you cut them off from the bank account. You, whatever it is, you find a way to hurt that person in a severe, physical, emotional way. This is the way Satan works when he has set up a stronghold in our life. And Paul is saying here that you must must, must get that out of your heart. Give no place to the devil. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Tear down this stronghold. So how do we do that? Number one, there has to be, like we already said, repentance. A putting off of the former conversation of the old man, according to verse 22. Repentance is not just a, a brokenness over sin, but it's a breaking from sin. It, you have to put sin away entirely out of your life. You have to turn away from it and never go back to it. True repentance is walking away from that sin, putting it away, truly confessing it, truly dealing with it. But it's not just enough to repent and be broken from sin and break off sin. But if you want to get Satan out of your life, get him out of that place in your heart, tear down that stronghold. You have to also resist him. Resist him. Verse 23, I read it earlier, or I'm sorry, verse uh, 27 tells us we resist him by not giving him a place. James tells us that we must submit ourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from us. Now, what does that mean? That means 
that I go in and I clean house. I take back every place. You don't have to go in and shout at the devil and yell at the devil. All you have to do is go in and say, Satan, by the authority of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, by the authority of the name of Jesus, whose I am and whose I belong to, this is his temple. This is his place where he resides. And I am taking back authority. I've confessed the sin that has given you place here. I've asked him to cleanse me of it. And now by his authority, I'm serving you an eviction notice that you have to get out. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That is resisting and tearing down the stronghold, not because we are mighty or anything special, but because we have submitted ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. And Satan is not greater than our Lord. He cannot win a fight with Jesus Christ. And after we've resisted, then we must find that place of renewal. Remember Ephesians 4 and 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in holiness. Renewal of the spirit in our lives. What does that mean? Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 to be not uh, filled with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that we are a container and the Holy Spirit is some kind of liquid, but that means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, wants to come and reside in you. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, bought with the price. That price is the shed blood of Jesus. And he has bought us and made us a building or a tabernacle or a place where his spirit can reside. And as such, that means when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, that there is not a room or a place in your heart and the temple of your body, your soul and your spirit that God cannot go or have access to. You are giving him full control of your life to lead you and guide you and teach you in all things. A renewal of the Holy Ghost being the charge over your life, being your comforter, your counselor, your guide in all things. Jesus said that that spirit would teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever he has said unto you, whatsoever his word has taught you, the Holy Spirit will work to lead you and guide you in it. That's the spirit of God working and reigning in your life. And so if we want to pull down strongholds, if we want to have victorious Christian living, we have to repent of any unconfessed sin. We have to put it out of our lives. We have to break ourselves off from it. We have to resist the devil, let him know that we have submitted ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and he is not welcome. And we have to ask for a renewal of the Spirit of God in our lives. Be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray today that if you want to pull down a stronghold in your life, that you will do those three things. It's as simple as that, friend. You don't have to argue and wrestle with Satan. You just have to determine that you've submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you were blessed by this lesson. We would love to have you connect with our church, the Pentecostals of Smyrna, the Church of the Open Door. You can connect with us online at tpos.church or in person at 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. 
That's 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. And remember, the Lord is good and so are His people.